0: It's time for another episode of The Visitors Might Be Listening. That's right, the unofficial podcast about V, the science fiction franchise. As always, I'm your host, Lewis Ryan, and I am joined by my co-host, Lars. Hello, what's up, everyone? We are so excited to be back with you today. We felt our last episode was a huge success. The ratings are through the roof, (laughs) much like V. We got a 40 share. Maybe even a hundred share Everyone listening <laughs> to a podcast Was listening to us This episode is brought to you by ThePostWriter.com Home for great journalistic articles Humor pieces Pop culture stuff And podcasts of all different shapes and sizes Right Lars? That's right Lewis uh, It's a it's a great website Not that we're at all biased No of course not But that, that guy that's the president is an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Today, on our episode, we are talking about Part 2 of the 1983 original miniseries, V, which aired on May 2nd, 1983, one night after uh, Part 1's premiere on NBC. But without further ado, I really don't have any other background information for Part 2 specifically. I went over all the background information necessary in our previous episode on Part 1. Needless to say, uh, Part 2 pretty much finishes the story part one set up. And uh, I guess we'll just get right into it. Lars, why don't you give us a brief recap of part one for anyone interested? So we spent kind of all last episode
1: talking about everything that happens in part one and kind of setting up the series. There's really like a lot that goes on. So so it starts with uh, alien spaceships arrive on Earth. And I'm going to keep this pretty brief because you probably just listened to our last episode. They show up and they're called visitors and they supposedly look like humans. And people of Earth are accepting to them, and they're supposedly here to get resources. Eventually, it kind of devolves into an occupation. And the aliens, you know, they seize the airwaves, they seize control of various, like, military installations, um, because a lot of human leaders may or may not willingly let this happen. Um, There's a couple things that we discover as the audience... Through this, we're mostly following the storyline of the character Mike, who is, like, a video journalist. And those things include that they are actually lizard people. They have lizard face under their skin. And that they can, like, create, like, fake people or, like, brainwash people to their side. By the end of the episode, we there has been, like, a loose resistance formed to the occupying force. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty quick... Pretty quick setup, right there. I, there's a lot that goes on, but that's what the last episode was for.
0: I don't know. I think uh, I think I might go down to the local bar and find someone else who can recap <laughs> part one of the. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, no, it's pretty much it. Aliens come to Earth, try to install a new regime.
1: Basically, <laughs> Earth- the whole the whole show is like an allegory for fascism.
0: Yeah. So uh, part two, we we left off uh, the cliffhanger, sort of. We know that the aliens are up to no good. And the resistance has started. So where do we start with part two, Lars? It feels like a lot of time has passed,
1: but it turns out to not have actually been very much time since part one. One of the first scenes in the episode is is like Mike running around in the streets and there's like explosion, like blew, blown up like roads and like cars that have like burned. You know, it feels like something from like Terminator 2. It's like society is
0: is like, collapsed <laughs> it, it's a para sort of a parallel to the opening of part one where it's mike literally in a war zone yeah we do see it in uh in a flashback of what actually occurred the the town was invaded by visitor forces civilian human residents have been taken except for i'll just call him jimmy <laughs> mike's mike's the friend of mike's son he's the only one left yeah. i don't remember what his actual name is <laughs> but, <laughs> Mike recognizes him. It sets up a clear sort of personal motivation for Mike that like uh, his ex-wife and his son have gone missing. We know they're not dead. They've they've been taken along with everybody else in town. But yeah, it's sort of ambiguous to how much time has passed. You, would, I can see how you would get the impression that a lot of time has passed, but it seems pretty much like it happened immediately
1: right well they say kind of later on in the episode it's like oh i was only gone for a couple days and all this happened or they address that it's been like not very
0: long between the two episodes it's pretty much just finishing the story part one is set up there's no time skip so do you have anything you'd like to say about that that mic part did it grip you at all were you hooked did you like the action of the flashbacks yeah i think so
1: i don't know that it was as gripping as the first episode but it doesn't really need to be right if you're watching this one you're presumably going to finish it uh, and you liked the first one it's like i wasn't you know i wasn't like as blown away by the the beginning as i was beginning of the whole series
0: i share similar sentiments when i was watching part two over again i was uh, remembering something i said uh during our last episode where i said i think v should be shown in schools and watching part two, I sort of felt like a sort of a embarrassment, or maybe I spoke too soon fact about saying that, because I feel part two, if we just want to get right into it, is sort of not as gripping intellectually as part one. It's definitely the more Star Warsy half. half agree. the miniseries. There are a couple of moments here and there that I feel sort of recapture the magic of the allegory and metaphor of nazism and fascism but overall i would say it's it delves into sort of the action movie territory where we've set up. part one did all the setup and now we just get all the action payoff
1: yeah i i am glad you agreed because i was like a little um i didn't like this one as much as the first one for sure and i think that the fact that it's so much more like a, of an action film or show is uh, it kind kind of does a disservice to its narrative is as I'm like struggling to remember the plot as it takes place. I remember things that happen, but I don't and I watched this yesterday, but I like don't really remember the narrative order just because there's a lot of kind of action scenes thrown in the middle. I do think a thing that they start to address early on that does kind of bring it back to the themes is, is I think kind of uh, they start to. There's a lot. There's several homages to like diversity as an asset during the resistance, right? The Gardner character, who's Mexican, uh, Mexican American, he like has an asset early on in the episode. He's is he helps smuggle a family out of town. He
0: helps smuggle the the Maxwell family out of town,
1: right? And he he uh, he's like, how do you? And they're like, how do you know how to do this? And he's like, oh, please. <laughs> um and he like eats an onion during that scene yeah i was
0: gonna bring that up he he had the onion ready on the dashboard good to go yeah and i did i did like the moment with we get the one cop who's going against the law but doing the right thing when he hears the kid in the trunk but he decides not to turn them in i was like you could just take that moment that's like almost like a short film in itself of like about like bravery like, just call it bravery, it's like, that's like almost an award, award-worthy short film. Just yes. Like, I, I really... Deciding not to <laughs> turn the family in.
1: Yeah, what a hero. I really liked that whole sequence too. And you you do get, throughout the episode, kind of the, like, not only is there the resistance amongst the humans on the outside, but there are filtered elements of resistance on the inside amongst the visitors who are who disagree with the um the path that the visitors are on? We kind of like ragged a bit on Elias's character last episode, and I well, you mentioned, did. yes. And I even mentioned like I don't appreciate how he was set up, like how his character was set up, and I don't. and, and like I, there needed to be kind of a redemption, which they do at the end of the first episode when his brother dies. Um, but like in this episode, I think he gets like massively redeemed. It's like the resistance early on uses Elias's like street connections as an asset <laughs> in like communicating um, and like finding places to hide and he like calls himself he's like I'm the Her- <laughs> I'm the Henry Kissinger of East LA and I, I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, he, he gets them uh, he get finds the Juliet and the rest of the resistance. He finds them like an abandoned fort or factory somewhere. It's on the Angels turf. So he has to go uh, parlay with the Angels, which don- doesn't really factor into it overall. But uh, they get a they get a token mention of he's Inter- interacting with the gangs of LA who I assume would just in, in real life would just be on the side of any humans that need <laughs> help but I don't know I don't know if the visitors maybe had a, a deal under the table with the angels and the crypts and the bloods uh, maybe that's addressed in a later episode <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of all I had to say and just like the themes at the beginning of the episode I feel like this part sort of uh, I don't know about you it dovetails everything together where everything was more disparate in part one it sort of all comes together did it come together for you yes i mean all of the characters basically
1: come to interact you kind of have like the two sides of the story in the first part where you have mike is kind of like the focal character and you have kind of his side of the story and then you have like everyone else (laughs) and this one it feels very like it actually feel it reminded me a lot of, of empire strikes back right is you have like luke is on his own with Dagoth, on Dagobah, with the other. Right, he's on his own journey, and like Han and Leia are on their own journey, and eventually, like it has to come back around.
0: And this kind of reminded me of that. So Mike is determined now to find his ex-wife and son, and the rest of the people from town that were abducted. If I recall correctly, he enlists Tony, and they go to the rectory plant where the visitors are harvesting chemicals, and they manage to sneak aboard. Tony is incapacitated yes. in the process. Yes, how is he
1: incapacitated? Yeah, so the lizard people can spit apparently. <laughs> is they can shoot a and they kind of address this later in the episode is like they can shoot like a neurotoxin. Yeah. Um that, that's not there's not actually a lot more that
0: they <laughs> do with that, but that happens. Well, it, it goes into Tony's eyes and he's like incapacitated. I don't know. It's just it's neat to me. It definitely. I was surprised when it happened. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely surprising because it's the only time it happens uh, so far. Yeah. <laughs> in part two. So then Mike sneaks aboard. No, no, no. Mike doesn't sneak aboard. He gets shot in the chest with uh, one of their lasers, and then he wakes up in the, on the mothership where it's Diana and Martin, and they're going to have him go. Well, I don't know if you recall this. There's a discussion about whether Mike or not should go undergo the conversion process or not. Yes, I, I do remember that. And Diana,
1: at first she's like, "No, he'll he's too strong-willed." Um, but then at the end she's like, "Oh, but I love a challenge."
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you think of Diana overall? The way she's presented in the uh, miniseries, I like her. She's like you could sort of get a sense that she's like a mad scientist figure for the visitors. I think she's pretty, pretty cool, pretty the villain you like to hate.
1: I mean, she's very, uh, she's very femme fatale. I mean, she's clearly like, I mean, she's a very sexy woman, right? <laughs> That's like kind of, I mean, even in episode one, like Mike kind of like is checking her out. But I, but I do like the character of of
0: Diane. I think she's, I'm, 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 always very interested when she's on screen. I'll, I'll put it that way. And then something happens in this scene uh, where uh, Daniel's father, mm. who Daniel. Daniel turned in his, uh, his parents and grandfather. In the first scene Daniel's in, in part two, he's serving champagne to his family, and it's almost like they're being <laughs> yes. held
1: hostage. It's very creepy. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it, he's talking about Robin, and it's like, my engagement to Robin. And they're like, oh, does Robin know about this? And he's like, oh, I want her. <laughs> it's like, and I get what I want. How do you think I got this champagne? <laughs>
0: He's really gone, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then uh, his grandfather, Abraham, has the awesome moment where he just throws a glass of water right yeah. in his face. He, de- he deserves it. And then we get the shot. We cut to him dragging the Maxwell family out of the pool house. And then he sort of gets pushed into the pool. And then he actually takes out his gun and he's going to shoot his own father before his mom is like, Daniel, what are you doing? How do you, How do you feel about that? Do you think is Daniel really evil? Or is he just being impulsive teen? I don't know. How are you feeling? Well, uh, both. I, I mean, you, 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 can't just be like
1: impulsive teen and pull a gun on your family. Right. <laughs> I, I think that that's a, that's a line between, Oh, teenagers and Oh, evil. Also, you can't just be like, I want her and I get what I want. That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty rapey, my dude. I am not a fan of of Daniel. I, I I don't think I think it's pretty hard for Daniel to be redeemed. I can kind of see how they may get to that in an episode to come, as like a big redemption arc, like Zuko style or something. But it is pretty. I mean, he's done some pretty dark stuff. Turning your family in uh, to like the Nazis equivalent
0: the equivalent to the nazis is pretty fucked up right i like daniel as a character though not like i like him but like as a, a function of the story i like him a lot so yeah the maxwell family ends up getting snuck out of town by the mexican gardener as we say who ends up getting fingered by mike's mom who saw him on the street and called it in to yeah. the visitors and he gets caught on trying to sneak back in to la well not she's sneak back she's in. awful I was, like, so pissed at her when she did that. Yeah, Mike's mom is is hard to like, but there's a moment at the end which we we, will get to. Daniel leaves, and he comes back later with the visitor army in tow, and they capture his parents and his grandfather, who's sitting in the pool house waiting for them, listening to records, wearing his uh, yarmulke and talus. Uh, uh, He has a a talus on. And he, uh, he says... Shalom, and uh, which is an awesome, awesome moment, uh, but it's unfortunately the last we see of Abraham in this series, the awesome, memorable character.
1: There's So around this time, there's a couple... I do have a question before we go back to Mike. So around this time, there have
0: now been two characters who have been presented with rings by the visitors. I remember Brian handing Daniel a ring after he turned in his, his family. What was the other one?
1: The visitor gives Mike's mom a ring.
0: Was that a ring? I guess it was a ring. When when he opened it, it just looks like a diamond. Yeah. I so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I. I mean, I don't know. It seems if it is a ring, which it probably is, there are definitely two different rings, though. Yes, but I was like, is this like a
1: a, a thing that the visitors do? Or are they trying to like adopt an Earth? I was just like kind of confused because they did both of them kind of happen within the same ten minutes and. Never mind, it sounds like it was nothing. No, I mean, that that's a good catch, though. I didn't even think about that. The visitors are giving, like, loyal Earth people gifts, right? And I thought it was, like, a weird proposal thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's a connection to something that actually happened during, like, World War II with the Nazis. Whether it's a reference to, like, Wagner's ring cycle, Lord of the Rings. I'm not, I'm not joking. I don't know if it, it might be a sly reference to something.
1: But yeah, that's definitely
0: a good catch. So anyways, going back to the mothership scene, Mike is recovering. They want to find out information from him, and they bring in Daniel's father into the room with him. They don't really interact, but they're in the same room with each other. And then the reveal of the torture chamber. And Lars, I want to ask you, as a Star Wars fan... (laughs) It was a a little on the nose. Well, I was going to say on a scale of 1 to 10, which looks like the worst torture (laughs) device. The one in Empire... That I guess we don't really get to see or this one. The one in Empire looks a lot worse. Okay. Where
1: they lower you down face first into all those like electric?
0: Yeah. Like, Although. Yeah, that looks pretty it bad. Looks, it's a spark. But to be fair, I feel like Mr. Bernstein shows more after effects from it than Han yeah. Solo does. <laughs> yes, that's true. Han seems pretty okay. And Mr. Bernstein just has a burned arm to show for his troubles, which I didn't even uh, notice. It like it takes you a second to notice that he has like a cast on his arm because he's like holding a jacket when he shows back up at Daniel's house. So anyway, so Mike is being hauled off to the conversion process, which I don't know if you want to talk about the conversion process. You brought up examples of last week you had questions about like the secretaries and. the
1: Yeah. So basically the the visitors can convert convert some humans it appears only like weak willed ones which is kind of questionable because most of the people we've seen them convert are like the world's premier scientists at this point i don't is it's not very clear how it's done
0: no as of yet it is not clear but but they're like puppets of the visitors without without getting into too much information i do not think that the secretary from last week underwent the conversion process kind of more time consuming than the two seconds he's in the the shuttle yeah with john i have questions overall about the whole aspect of the freeze streaming of the video and determining that the the dominant hand has shifting i'm not really sure how that plays into the conversion process based on what i've seen Like, what's happening, exactly, is a little bit murky. Yes. Maybe we will learn more. Maybe. So, Martin, the visitor, is bringing Mike off to the conversion process. And Lars, did the mothership, does the mothership hallways, do they remind you? Yes. (laughs) Um, This episode
1: actually gets very, like, on the nose. Um, Though we do see them in the last episode, too. But it is very, like, Death Star, Star
0: Destroyer-esque. Yeah, I feel like we're we're on the the mothership maybe a bit more in this episode, or it's it feels well, very it come Star Wars. At,
1: Mike comes back to it at two points, but we're on the Mike has now been in the mothership what three times? Yeah, <laughs> by the end of this
0: episode, so he's in it for the second time now. Mike Mike goes to and from the Death Star more <laughs> than Luke Skywalker does. Yeah, we find out that Martin is actually. I don't know on humanity's side, but he he is not on board with the, the visitors' plans overall. And so he, he offers to help Mike escape with the assistance of another visitor named Barbara, who is also, like Martin, not going to help, not willingly going along with the visitors' evil yeah. plan.
1: There's like a small resistance inside. They kind of say, like, there's not enough of us.
0: And so we get a scene of Barbara undressing her uniform to give to Mike. Mike <laughs> says... What does he say? He's like, you, are you sure it'll fit me or something? Oh, well, he says that, but he's watching her undress. He's, like, ogling her a bit, and she's like, you don't look like an iguana. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, what? It's, like, bad taste. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The whole scene of her just undressing and her looking like a female, like, with a female body, it just raises a lot of questions for me.
1: I, I, it... I kind of think the more I was watching this episode and the more Mike goes to and from the mothership, it confuses me more and more why all of the people like who work as like, technicians on the mothership are dressed in human skin constantly.
0: Well, to be fair, they do have media on board at all times. Like, well, you know, they have Christine Walsh there. They have, they're trying to present a media friendly presence. It's all just a little inconvenient. Yeah. So Mike makes his way off the ship, right? <laughs> Mike manages to sneak aboard a, a shuttlecraft with the the chattiest visitor <laughs> stormtrooper. And as we know that the visitors have sort of modulated voices. So it's really hard to, uh, can't like disguise your voice to sound like a visitor. And Mike, Mike like tries giving him like the peace sign or bunny rabbits. <laughs> When he asks, well, like, a question. He's like, what division are you with? And he, like, goes, like, two
1: <laughs> with his hands.
0: Yeah. I would have I tried, if I were Mike, to just, be like, point at your throat and give, like, a... I don't know if that would have worked. Because, to be fair, Mike is, like, public enemy number one from the events of the last episode. And yeah. he is a fairly well-known news journalist, videographer. So, it's understandable. I would have tried a bit more to communicate in any way that it's like I can't speak and it it is a little convenient how so that the guy the stormtrooper guard like pretty much knows that Mike is not a visitor and he waits until they get all the way back to earth (laughs) let's Mike walk outside (laughs) apparently he's not convinced yet he says goodbye and Mike's (laughs) trying to just leave he's like I said goodbye (laughs) he's like (laughs) getting his helmet ready, and he, like, starts to open fire. I don't know why he waited until Mike was, like, 50 yards well, away. Like, You're not
1: leaving until you say something to me, right? It's like, what what a weird thing to say. Just, like, ugh, I don't know. Yes, the logistics and ease with which Mike is able to go to and from
0: is very uh, convenient. convenient. So Mike manages to get away, and then... We go back to what we were saying before of Elias meeting up with the angels on the mean streets of L.A., and they manage to to find a, a lone visitor walking around in the alleyways for some reason, just <laughs> bumming around. <laughs> so they decide to uh, that this is the perfect opportunity to snatch a, a visitor, because it's apparently really hard to do. They don't like walk around alone, unprotected. So one of the Elias or one of the angels pretends like to be in pain and then we get our our visitor quote unquote Mike probably to ask like hey buddy are you okay and he gets the trash can thrown on his head
1: (laughs) and he gets brought to the resistance kind of
0: headquarters right yeah it's I like the part they have it up on a sign it's like a mash unit they have mash yeah yeah i saw that Uh, have we talked we haven't really talked about robin oh yes robin robin maxwell their their new headquarters the resistance they have their mountain base and this one is more closer to the city and like a ravine juliet is you know sort of running the show they're trying to get everything together juliet's like unsure of her position she confesses that it's like she's only you know like a med student she's in her early 20s she doesn't know how to like Lead a resistance force <laughs> right. So we get we get scenes of her moving in. And, like Robin, I don't know if you want to get into how Robin acts. Well, so Robin and her family roll into the this is before Mike shows up,
1: I believe, but it's yes, it is. yeah. Is, is they roll into the resistance, you know, city headquarters or whatever you want to call it. And Robin is very upset that her life is like now reduced to living in kind of like a sewer at some points. And it's like, oh, at least there's there's toilets over there. So you can imagine how nice those are. So Robin is unpleased. Robin steps out of the base to go outside for like, briefly, I guess she's just like upset and she wants to kind of get out and she's captured by the visitors. And then her dad goes out looking for her and he is also discovered by the visitors. But we'll go into that in a little bit.
0: So Mike, Mike is brought to the resistance camp in, in the trash can still. <laughs> They get them. They think they have a visitor, but they actually don't. They have Mike Donovan, <laughs> fugitive. and he sort of fills them in about what's been going on. They drop a neat picture of the wizard, visitors' lizard faces in in profile and portrait on the wall with pencil. Whoever did that was very good. Well he tells them all about the like acid that they can spit, the neurotoxin, the
1: neurotoxin, yeah. yeah.
0: and that there's some on the inside that are helpful.
1: It's it's another very, like, Star Wars rebellion, like, briefing room kind of scene. Yeah, definitely. Well, and he... I, I don't know if it's quite at this point, but he's, like, explaining what they look like, like, as lizards. I, I think it's at this point. He's like, the more people know about how alien they are, it's like, the more people will want to fight against them. Do you remember that line? Which I thought was interesting. It's an interesting, like, they're different from us, and people don't like things that are different. They're kind of taking the
0: the fascist line and using it for themselves in a way almost i I suppose you could read it that way it's definitely mike using his intuition of human nature yeah to definitely achieve his ends which i believe are the right ends oh oh absolutely yeah yeah yeah. i i more mean it's just it's it's an interesting
1: acknowledgement of reality
0: yeah well i mean to go back to what we were sort of discussing last episode mike is sort of the avatar for truth and it would definitely be revealing the truth to show what the visitors are really like. Mike is definitely wants to go back onto the mothership to find his ex-wife and child, and he wants to get Tony. And Juliet is planning to storm the armory. Yeah,
1: so they all kind of come up with like a plan and they're gonna break into a couple of groups to do it, right? Yeah, Mike Mike's gonna go up <laughs> go back up to the mothership. He should take like a Southwest flight or something like, you know, they're giving him frequent fr- flyer miles. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And Juliet is, is going to lead this charge to storm. Yeah. Storm the armory. And then you have
0: Elias's father who is going to blow up the refinery. Yeah. Caleb sets up a bomb at the refinery. Yeah. As a distraction. They all
1: kind of go about their ways and it's, it's around this point. Because now Robin has been captured before this, and I suppose Robin's dad is already – is still in with the Resistance, but he has, like, gone out onto the street, right? And he was looking for his daughter, and the the visitors find him, and, you know, he's like, oh, another Maxwell. And he's like, wait, another? Do you have my daughter? Is that my daughter in there? <laughs> is she in, she in that shuttlecraft? Yeah. Uh, full um, –
0: <laughs> full –
1: Sean Penn from
0: Mystic River. Is that my daughter in there? <laughs> he and the he, visitors come to a, a deal. Right. Is The
1: visitors are like, okay, we can promise that your family will be safe if you tell us like where their mountain base is. And he rats out the mountain base, but then he goes back to the Resistance to help Juliet. But he has leaked this information to the visitors with an agreement that, you know...
0: They're going to raid the mountain base at 4 p.m. on a following day to give him time for him and his family to escape and to leave the rest of the mountain cap camp in the lurch to die or whatever at the hands Which, of the visitors.
1: And when you're watching that that kind of agreement get made, you you're pretty you're pretty mad at him, right? As it's kind of a dick move to turn on the resistance, but you're also I, I thought it was well done in that you. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to say like, oh, he's bad. He shouldn't have done that. But like his daughter was captured. Like you, you can see how this would be a thing that would happen, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense, his motivations. Things are becoming a little more futile for the resistance. And some of them are pretty uh, pretty unhappy. And like Elias, and like they kind of gradually reach the conclusion, especially towards the end of the episode, that this could be a battle that
0: takes years. And you're going to have to be able to like stick with it. Definitely need to be resolute. This isn't the kind of thing that's going to be over overnight. Robert's situation definitely made me think about this would definitely be hard for resistance fighters in the real world with families. It's definitely like weak points for an enemy to exploit and tear down a resistance from within. Yeah, like Robert is. I would like to talk about the visitor Robert talks to. He is our first black visitor that we see. Yes. And also he's the first one that talks about having children. I remember him saying that. I don't
1: think I realized
0: that that was a novel concept, but I suppose well, it I, is. I, I don't know if it's like a hugely novel, but it's like, of course, they reproduce. But just it was like a moment of humanity where it's ambiguous whether he was being truthful, truthful or not about having children. But he sort of uses yeah. that to uh, become chummy with Robert. Be like, I understand. I have kids, too. It's like, we got to do what's best for them. Yes, so, it's, it's manipulative. Definitely something I've seen Nazi characters do in other movies. And <laughs> right. so on. so anyway, so the fix is in. The Resistance has a plan, a two-pronged plan. Mike's going to go to the ship. Juliet and company are going to go to the armory. And Robert has secretly sold them out. Sold out the mountain camp, so we've got a lot of a lot of plots sort of all coming together. Caleb, Elias's father, sets up a bomb, which uh, Harmony notices and warns Willie about. I don't know if you want to talk about this, just the whole thing of she notices the bomb. Yeah, so she 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 notices because she notices it because she like steps in
1: the most gum I've ever seen. Probably um, Caleb's gum. <laughs> And she, like, puts her hand up and she ends up, like, touching the bomb that's hidden under kind of, like, a a rampart or something.
0: Yeah. And she's like, oh! It's funny to me because it's like she's not even touching, like, the bomb. She's touching, like, the the putty that it's attached to, right? It would definitely feel different. You'd be like, oh, what?
1: That's not metal. So I get that. So she notices it and she kind of, like... She's shocked, but she backs away and she doesn't really tell anyone. Um, It's also kind of unclear how much
0: time there is because there's I think there's like a cut there that's a little it's awkward. However long it takes for the shuttle to get back to the mothership because when they get back to the mothership I like they all disperse and then the the stormtrooper is like, hey we gotta go back. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah, so and it's not very it's not very clear how much time
1: that takes, by the way. Is like based on that one based on the last time Mike has left and come back from or left and come back to Earth from the mothership. It may only take like 10 seconds, right? She steps away and she's like kind of watching it. And then she sees Willie. He, he walks he walks up to like the area where the bomb is. And he's just kind of like, you know, chilling around in that specific spot.
0: Checking his clipboard.
1: Yeah. So she she screams out to him like right before the bomb goes off, which is lucky, saving his life. But he's confused because why did she know it also this bomb only appears to explode up and it doesn't hurt anyone within five feet to the side of it 10 feet away
0: (laughs) and that's unfortunately one of the only two willy moments in this episode the other moment is at ben's funeral elias's brother caleb's son where willy willy tries to comfort him but while i was watching this i was like why why was willy even there (laughs) he does not know ben caleb probably didn't invite him I I don't know why Willie would go there or why he was invited. (laughs) But yeah, Caleb, this is when Caleb turns against the visitors and like shoves Willie away, even though he really doesn't deserve it personally. Anyway, so the the explosion at the plant happens at the same
1: time that Mike arrives back on the mothership, which is a nice diversion for him. Yeah,
0: he manages to sneak away pretty successfully.
1: (laughs) Yes. And, And he finds himself in like the tank room. Mike kind of finds himself in this giant room of tanks liquid tanks not military tanks and
0: storage tanks
1: yeah i I think it happens in the tank room is he connects back up with martin
0: the male visitor who helped him
1: martin kind of explains sort of what's going on and i don't actually really like this part either mike asks martin it's like why why do you have all this water it's like, what are you even doing with the chemicals? Which Mike knows the answer to because he heard them and recorded them talking about it in the last episode. The first time he went up to the mothership is the guy says, we don't even need these chemicals. We're just dumping them out. So Mike knows that. I guess
0: he's just trying to, like, get more information out of this guy. I think I think Mike probably, in all the excitement of what he found out after that, I could understand that he probably forgot or lost focus. But yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a line that stands out as a little little iffy.
1: Yeah. It eventually comes... Martin explains to Mike that the visitors are actually there to collect water. And they need water. And there's this... Oh, and Mike asks him, like, why didn't you just ask? We would have given you water. And Martin was like, some of us like wanted us to do that. It's like, that's what we wanted. But, you know, our leader said no, that we, that we wouldn't be able to have it all if we'd have asked. So... We have to take it. And then Mike asks about their leader. And Martin kind of explains, or is, Mike's like, how did a leader like this come to power? And Martin explains, like, charisma, circumstances, and promises. And not enough of us, like, spoke out to question him
0: uh, until it was too late. Right? So bring you back to the fascist allegory martin even says the same has happened here on earth and mike mike's like you're right it adds. yeah
1: they eventually
0: make their way to a mike asks where all the people are yeah that they've been taking
1: yeah and they end up in this like
0: body hall which
1: is just this giant canyon full of like body chambers
0: body bags um it's basically like uh, if you've seen the matrix it's like the pods yeah that all the humans are stored in it's like a giant endless room filled with with pods people yes. hanging upside down it reminded me a lot of the
1: matrix actually and, and and martin's like these are your people right it's like they're all just barely alive and mike's like why why do you need them and martin's like well it's not just water we need other resources too and mike's like food <laughs> how did you feel about this Well, I'm glad they weren't being used as batteries. (laughs) I guess that's as good an explanation as any for why you needed to keep all of the humans alive. You don't think it makes the visitors, you know, more evil? I kind of think it's a nice script-writing excuse to let the humans all come back eventually. In the real Holocaust, it's like a lot of these people don't actually come back. The, The Nazis weren't, like, deliberately, like, keeping a lot of people alive. I mean, there were, like, forced labor camps and whatnot, but... The goal was for them as I guess it is here is like the goal was them for them to die, but here they're actually using the bodies as food and it's not really clear that they're doing that yet.
0: Yeah. On the flip side, it's also a good writerly excuse for why a direct attack on the motherships is a no go. Yeah. Which they talk about later in the episode. But yeah, I think I think it's a pretty pretty shocking reveal. It definitely ups the stakes yes and yeah yeah the, the point about like this is why we can't blow up the mothership that's valid and going back to your point about the cryogenic materials i don't know if i was led to believe but it's i think maybe they're using that to like freeze the humans i don't know if that's possible they, they say they're dumping it
1: as soon as they get up to the ship they're dumping it and they're like what a waste and it's like oh yeah then mike asks to see
0: tony and he sure does see tony Yes, he sees Tony. We don't see Tony. Evidently, Tony has met, met his maker. There will be no more conversations with Tony about Uncle Pedro.
1: I should mention, concurrently, while this is kind of all going on, is Robin is up in the mothership as well. and Because she, she was captured by the visitors, like we said before. Right. And something kind of
0: interesting happens here. <laughs> right. Well, why don't you hold that thought? Yeah. And we'll come back to Robin. But first, we'll take a short break.
1: Hi, I'm Lars Emerson. And I'm Mike Levito. And we're the hosts of the Postwriters podcast, Watching Mates. It's our podcast in which we explore the trends in film under each post-war presidency and reflect on how presidents and the zeitgeist of the era shaped the movies of their time. Episodes air every two weeks, so be sure to check it out wherever podcasts are found or on thepostwriter.com.
0: Are back from our break so what is going on with
1: robin lars yeah so while mike is up there dicking around on the mothership learning all the things he learns robin who's been captured so diana she has something special in mind for her and she has brian who robin is obsessed with he goes in and tells robin it's all going to be okay in her cell and they start kissing and presumably more but we
0: it kind of cuts out of that scene as diana watches
1: we also discover that diana is into
0: brian yeah they're they're like an item did you talk about how like diana tells brian to go mingle with robin as like an experiment i don't really remember exactly what she says yeah diana says she's you you get the impression early on with the whole conversion discussion that diana's you know, into mad science and doing things for the challenge or just to see what would happen. So she sort of tells Brian to go go co-mingle with Robin to see what What would uh, happen. Yeah. Yes. To test her hypothesis. Right. So presumably they bang. Oh, they do. I have all sorts
1: of questions. (laughs) Yes. you, You and I both. I'm sure there's a uh, fan fiction site we can get answers on.
0: When they were making out, were you thinking about how the fact that it's like, are their mouths their mouths? Because like we've seen that they have like lizard tongues. I'm confused. I was thinking that we would like see the tongue during that scene too. I I have no idea. I don't know. We'll never know. (laughs) Yes. It's best left unanswered. It kind of, it's unfortunate that like part two, sort of has to settle in with the reality and you sort of lose like the overall metaphor of the visitors as like Nazis. It's sort of more just like we have to deal with this reality of like lizard people aliens conquering the world. I mean it's still it's still good, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it very much. So Robin's on the ship. There's a bit of a a convenient jump where Robin is found by Mike off screen. Yes. So does Brian let her go after he has his way with her. I I imagine that there was probably a scene written and filmed that was just cut for one reason or another. Yeah. But it's sort of Robin is just there with Mike and also with the Mexican gardener who was in the same room as Tony's dead body.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yes. There's a lot of very convenient things on this mothership. So they all end up on like one of the shuttles.
0: Yeah, they end up commandeering one of the shuttles, but... They don't get away without being spotted by some others. And then a shuttlecraft chase ensues. And Lars, another Star Wars comparison (laughs) question to you. How does this compare to the dogfight scene in episode four? So this is far worse, Lewis.
1: I actually really grew to like despise this scene. The more it went on, because it goes on for (laughs) like kind of a while. And it's like intercut with other stuff going on. But I I think this is like Star Wars in a very bad way. I did not. It's not just that the effects are bad, which they are. But like, whatever, you know, it's a TV miniseries. They're not going to be like in the 80s. They're not going to be like, you know, knock your socks off. It doesn't make any sense to me either. You know, Mike kind of gets instructions from his his visitor friends on the mothership. He's like, oh, you know, you need a light touch to pilot it.
0: And he's like, okay, I can do it. And he takes off. Yeah, Martin Martin says, if you let it, it pilots itself.
1: Right. And I guess Mike kind of has like a hard time driving it, but, and he does throughout, even during the chase is like Mike is struggling to drive, but so he's chased by two other shuttlecrafts who are shooting at him for the love of God cannot hit him. Meanwhile, you have uh, the Mexican gardener, uh, Sancho, sorry.
0: Sancho, that's right. He says, Mike says, get him, Sancho. And it's like, my name is Sancho.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, Sancho, is like in the like gunner seat that I guess there is and he's firing back at these shuttlecrafts the shuttlecrafts it doesn't make any sense to me is like these are piloted by visitors who routinely like pilot them and they can't seem to like catch up with mike fire accurately at mike they fly just as poorly as mike i really do not care for this chase scene it may actually be my least favorite part of the episode
0: i definitely sympathize i will not go so far as to say that it's like the worst thing it's definitely the longest thing it it goes on continuously not great
1: (laughs) yes it goes on for quite a while and and i should mention so it is like intercut with other stuff it's a it's at about this time that Juliet does her attack and that, the visitors
0: begin on their progression towards the mountain base. Yes. We get the armory scene. Well, I, let me let me just talk about my feelings about the shuttlecraft chase, the dogfight homage. It is definitely it definitely suffers in comparison to Star Wars if you're watching them back to back, which yeah. I definitely wasn't. I've not seen the original Star Wars in like over 10 years. But yeah, uh, it's definitely it's definitely not great. I the special effects are definitely dated. I don't know if I would call them that horrible on the face of they definitely put in effort to film like the exterior of the city and like swooping around that was definitely that impressed me i like the idea of the part of him taking out the la hat for good luck i don't know if enough has been set up to really earn that moment yeah and i do like the idea of the the conclusion of him driving into the tunnel while a truck goes in and the other (laughs) (laughs) Mister drives right into the mountain vanishes and that shuttle just
1: vanishes
0: in that scene yeah it's deatomized immediately <laughs> right like you don't even see like yeah i mean it would have been cool if like the truck the back of the truck exploded or there was like i don't know like it crashed in the tunnel and there was like a fire as it came out but you know you're you're dealing with the realities of budget but yeah i mean it is what it is they they yeah. it was probably network mandated and it wouldn't surprise me if the network sort of cut the scene where they find Robin to elongate the chase more. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Kenneth Johnson. I, I'm not NBC. I, I don't know. You mentioned
1: last episode in kind of the trivia section how expensive it was for all the like laser shots, and that's why they use them so sparingly in the first part. Um, they do use them quite a yeah, lot. Yeah,
0: I was, I was going to try to start counting how many times the laser gets fired. I It's a lot. I didn't really do it because I didn't want to be taken out of the episode. But if someone wants to count every time they fire the laser, they do it, they do it a lot, and it definitely adds up when it's a thousand dollars a pop. And, you know, all the all the power to them, it was it's not easy to do those kinds of special effects back in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah. So to me, the special effect in part one of there's like one shot of the mothership where it just looks like a piece of clay on a photograph. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, like that is that is the low point of special effects in the, the original miniseries. But anyways, so Juliet and company managed to successfully raid the armory. And then in a bit that sort of confused me when I was watching it, but then it's like I connected the dots moments later. Robert sort of leaves the siege on the armory to get in a Jeep and go to the mountain camp. Yeah, so he screams at...
1: I guess he kind of realizes his the error of his ways because he notices... He, he does, but he, he does, though. He yells at Juliet, like, what happened. The raid on the armory doesn't go, like... It doesn't go, like, too well. There are some, like, consequences and, like, people get hurt. And he realizes that the visitors are... He kind of, like, realizes that what he did was a dick move, right? So he yells to Juliet kind of what he did. He says, like, I told them where the mountain base was i'm sorry and he jumps in like an old jeep like a military jeep and
0: drives zooms off he does i mean he does tell her i read it as he's just telling her like where he's going and pretty much too late he's hoping to get to the mountain camp and then abscond with his family so i don't know i mean i guess it's ambiguous You, you
1: do see his face like looking around and like kind of feeling remorseful Definitely, but that doesn't absolve him. Oh, no, of course not. But he he does, there is like a tinge of
0: regret. There's a tinge of regret in what he tells her. So he zooms off. (laughs) And then the, I guess the one other note about the armory scene is we get our first, is it our first real weakness for the visitors? They use mirrors to reflect the sunlight (laughs) directly into them. Yes, it's unclear that that works super well, but yes. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it does i mean they i mean i guess it would work on humans too
1: yeah i just thought it was funny it's like everyone's shooting guns and then there's like two guys down there with like bathroom mirrors and it's like for some reason the aliens never think to shoot at those guys <laughs> or shoot at the mirror
0: <laughs> i don't know shoot at the blinding light <laughs> it's i i hard. i don't know I I don't know, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to shoot at the sun. So Robert makes his way to the camp in his Jeep. It's about an hour and ten minutes before the four o'clock deadline,
1: but... But he sees them all flying in. He's like, damn it, you promised. (laughs) You lying
0: aliens. (laughs) Yeah. And just Um, just to twist the night further, we see that the, the black visitor... He supposedly trusted is is well aware of them heading there early. Right. I don't know what you expected, my dude. They're they're
1: clearly evil. So that kind of brings us to the finale of yeah. the episode. Exciting conclusion. Everyone kind of converges on the mountain base where the visitors start shooting at the children hiding yeah. out
0: there. Robert Robert's wife and young daughter are just trying to play mouse trap. Yeah. <laughs> <the> picnic table. <laughs> Little did they know they were in a trap of their own.
1: Mike eventually ends up on the scene in his shuttle, too. Well,
0: you're cutting to the end. He sort of has the Han Solo moment where yeah. he shows up in the, the shuttle. Everyone races back to the mountain camp, and then like an all-out assault ensues. Juliet has an awesome moment where uh, Diana's shuttle is attacking, and... Juliet, who in the episode has been sort of debating whether or not she's like a real leader or not. She just takes out a pistol and like stares down the shuttle and tries shooting at it. And then and then she manages to survive the pass without getting shot by the shuttle's laser. And it's like, oh, that's a relief. And then Diana is in the shuttle being like, go, go back again. I want to shoot that blonde (laughs) woman. Yes. At which point Mike shows up in his shuttle. Mike shows up in the shuttle. To save the day, I did want to talk about this where Diana, her shuttle sort of explodes on her face and we get that cool shot of like her face half lizardy, half human. And I wanted to say great job by the makeup people that worked on this. Yeah. We didn't really get to talk about last week because I feel like they did such a good job. It's like you didn't even have to thank them. It's like you just were enjoying the story. I think the lizard effect looks, other than the tongue, I, I think the lizard effects look Pretty, uh, pretty damn good for the time. Well, the one lizard that was kind of shooting his neurotoxin at Tony looked kind of silly because <laughs> he's just sort of like just standing in one place like bleh. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, good job. That that final makeup shot was really, of Diana was really good. And so Diana decides, I guess I should retreat now. <laughs> <laughs> Live to fight another day. The resistance has won their first uh, victory. The <laughs> victory first battle, if you will. Yes. The um... first battle. <laughs> Well that's what they say is they say like we won the first battle of this
1: war or Elias and uh, Juliet talk about that when they go to the broadcasting
0: station. Oh yeah. Well th- there's another there's a small moment I wanted to talk about. I'm not sure if you caught it or remember it or wrote it down or just so the the visitors are retreating and we get Elias with the cop member of the resistance and Elias is like they ain't so tough and the cop's just like you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I that was a very funny moment. I, I laughed at that. Well, so Robin's mother and sister are dead. Or they're no, just the mom, just the just mother the is the dead. the mom is dead. Yeah. And so we get Robert Maxwell. He he clearly sees his wife is dead. He's contemplating his role and his actions. And he sees a gun <laughs> on the table. And it's like, he's very clearly about to kill himself. Because <laughs> I guess at this point, he thinks Robin might be dead too. Yeah. And so it's like, he's literally just about to pull the trigger and end his life because he betrayed everyone. But then his family is like, hey, dad, (laughs) what? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's right. I have children. Yeah. Thank goodness they said something (laughs) right at that moment. And just to put icing on the cake, Robin's there, too but she, it's not super happy cuz she's like is that mom <laughs> over there on the table? Right. I I guess I just kind of brushed past that just cuz I yeah. I mean I'm all, I'm always up for character deciding, yep, I'm going to kill myself now. <laughs> <I'm always laughs> right. Up for those kinds of scenes. <laughs> yeah. Not thinking things through clearly. I think then you just get the the like radar the
1: broadcast scene, right? Yes. So you're basically at the end of the episode.
0: So why don't you give greater context cuz I thought we we kind of overlook something that was mentioned earlier when Mike was talking with Martin. It is sort of brief, but Martin had mentioned to Mike that that the leader
1: is obsessed with accumulating power so that he can defeat someone who has defeated him before. You know, some other alien entity, perhaps, or something. I no one knows, or the audience doesn't know at this point. So Mike, you know, relays this to you know Juliet. And at the end, the episode ends with Elias and Juliet are in uh, like a satellite array and they are broadcasting this message out to space. And Elias asks, like, it's a message of like help.
0: And Elias asks, like, how long is this going to take? Juliet's just basically trying to relay the uncertainty of all the different variables of whether the, the enemy will get the message, whether they'll even help, who knows, or how long it'll take.
1: Yeah, and it could be like years, is what she she says. And I was It'll like, probably oh. be years. Yes. I don't remember. There's some. That <laughs> was so funny. It was like, she says, they say like how they're r- transmitting this message so that any alien would understand it. Yeah,
0: it's um, mathematical code. Any intelligent species should be able to decipher it. I'm curious how they,
1: they, they transmitted like the like help or the concept of help.
0: I mean, it's been done. I mean, uh, on the Voyager. Yeah. shuttle, They have the golden record that has message in, you know, some sort of mathematical code. Right. Voyager. But that's to
1: explain like, yeah, Voyager is to explain like, that's to explain like mathematical concepts and like our understanding of like where we are in the universe. It, th- that's like to understand like physics and like, um, like biology is like a carbon. And like, here is our solar system stuff that you could explain with math. There is nothing, like, <laughs> the Voyager... I mean, it does have, like, other stuff like that, but it doesn't have, like, in-binary reading something because it's not going to make any sense if you don't understand the letters. So, uh, presumably, my, they they figured
0: it out. My My bigger question is, like, what's stopping the visitors from jamming it <laughs> or hearing the message?
1: <laughs> yeah, and the visitors have already, like, taken control of communications. You'd think they'd take control of this giant
0: satellite array... That's transmitting, I guess, everywhere. Like I said earlier, they're relying on media to help propagate their image, so they can't just take down all the telecommunications. Yeah. That is sort of the ending to the episode with the, the promise of maybe an enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, as Mike says. Maybe the enemy will help out. There are two other points that I think we should talk about. One involves Robin.
1: Yes. So Robin... Has been having morning sickness. That is basically all
0: that is addressed.
1: She's <laughs> presumably pregnant.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh the other point I wanted to bring up is just a scene with I guess this is really the redemption for his character, Robert Maxwell returning to the Bernstein's home. We get a scene. Robert Maxwell is uh, return to the Bernstein's home to relay how important it is to keep the resistance together to keep everyone alive. And he wants to keep using the Bernstein's house as a safe house. And Mrs. Bernstein is like, no way. Daniel is here. He's an informant. They they found you before. And Robert's like, which is exactly why this is a great place for this to keep being a safe house. And. Mrs. Bernstein is like, no, we were captured. It's like, he was tortured. It's like, no. And then Mr. Bernstein silently clutching his burned arm goes and grabs a letter from a desk and it's from his father Abraham and Mrs. Bernstein reads it and it's about the importance of if we don't help out now, we haven't learned a thing, you know, referencing World War II and the Holocaust. And I thought it was a very poignant, emotional scene, that sort of brought brought things back to the the heights of part 1 for me They do they get back they get back to some of the part one stuff. I just think it it definitely leans more on the action side. Yeah, it's definitely more Star Warsy. On that, that poignant note, we will conclude our discussion of part two. So Lars, I'll throw it to you. What, what would you like to talk about now? I think we mostly covered
1: it. So we kind of jumped around a lot. But I think th- there's not as much to unpack like philosophically. I, I guess m- my question for you, Louis, is... So this was like a two-night event, right? What did... People think. Did they know when was the next one going to come out? Did people know the next one was going to come out, and what was kind of the
0: reaction? Um, So the series was a hit, as I've addressed before. It was a ratings hit. What did people think? I think overall people liked it if they tuned in for both nights. The second part had a thirty-seven share, so thirty-seven people of watching television watched part two, as opposed to part one's forty. So just a slight drop off in terms of ratings. I'm pretty sure airing both episodes one after another on two days was helpful for that. I can't imagine that happening now though. They'd probably stretch it out over weeks. Yeah. Like it's kind of like a, the the 1983's version of binge watching. Yes. I feel like uh, we're, we're kind of experiencing that now in our 2021 streaming climate, sort of the gulf between like, is it good that it's spread out over weeks? Is it bad? Is yeah. it, was it better to binge? I don't know, like the WandaVision or the Mandalorian or, Falcon the Winter Soldier, all the Netflix shows, it's debatable. So, so
1: did people know that there was going to be like a sequel miniseries?
0: No, that was definitely not in the cards. But as I said, this was definitely made as a lead-in to like a series. So it essentially hmm. acts like a big pilot movie. And it's not like today where it's like NBC could be like, oh, we had no idea it was going to be a hit. Because it's like, it was one of three channels. So there was right. a good chance that this could get a lot of eyeballs on it and right. it clearly was a big success so it was definitely like a conversation of like let's let's get more and then sort of the discussion to what shape that would take gets us into some production troubles which i don't know if we want to talk about now or save for our next episode yeah we can we can address the final battle when we get to the final battle yeah so as i'm sure you know the v, the final battle three parts Aired. about a year later may 5th through the 7th 1984 so people had to wait over a full year in the meantime return of the jedi came out on may 25th just a couple weeks after part two do you think the the speeder bike chase on endor is better than the shuttlecraft chase in part it, two lives yes i think
1: any chase scene in star wars is probably better I, and i'm including do, the prequels
0: i do think um it's hard to judge with star wars though because they've continually updated the effects for like those scenes. So it's hard to judge based on how it originally came out in like 77 and 80. Do you have any questions or things you want to ask about? Like who, who are your favorite characters? Who are your least favorite characters? Did you have any favorite moments in part two, least favorite moments? What are you looking (laughs) forward to in the final battle?
1: I, I wish, I wish we could have seen a little more, a character we've kind of ignored actually talking about is, is Mike's mom.
0: Oh, Um, right. We forgot that was one other thing we shouldn't talk about. Let's do that.
1: That's why I brought her up is is she kind of might kind of confronts her at the end of this uh, of the part two. So she's not good and he confronts her and like she's like, you should change your ways or you're going to you're going to really get it. It's a great speech. She has. Yes. Um, And he's like, I can't change what I know is right. And, you know, who like taught me that implying it was her pretty short scene at the end but it's pretty uh pretty tense and she's i i do wish we could have seen like a little more of her being like like an absolutist like supporter just to survive because she says like i'm a survivor how do you think you know i went from being like a southern like nobody to like an aristocrat or whatever she she she, believes she is she married she says Mike's father was like an abusive drunk. So I wish we could have seen a little more because it's important when you're addressing fascism to kind of delve into like not only are the actual fascists the like problem, but it's the people who are like complicit and willing to go along. And I think she is a really good character to like address that thought through, but they don't actually give her very much screen time.
0: Yeah. I that that one line Mike has about like whatever happened to her, that goes such a long way. Yeah. Towards making her character like multi-dimensional. Yes. So I wish we could have
1: seen more of her. I don't know. I I really like Juliet and Mike. I know they're basically like the leading characters, too. And it seems like there's a budding romance between the two of them. (laughs) Very nice. They're the ones that I usually perk up when either of them are on screen in a way that I don't. If it's like, I don't know, Robin, like running around doing her thing.
0: I like all the characters really in one form or another. I don't want to back out out of giving an answer, but I feel like everyone to me, it's not really like there's no like fat. It's all pretty. Like everything has a purpose or a point in this, this mini series. I think it's like really well-written just like on the face of it. Cause it's just like, cause it's hard to write like a thing. Like part one has the arduous task of introducing like 20 characters They're basically in their own story, and then they have to converge. So whether he he wrote it from beginning to end, or he had the ending first and then from the beginning, it's a very very well written three hour opus. And my hats off to Kenneth Johnson for (laughs) writing this. Your your low light, I imagine, is shuttlecraft (laughs) chase. Shuttle chase. Yes, I I think it is. What what's yours? My low light for the episode, the the, the suicide that Sam Robert Maxwell is gonna take, just cause it's so it's so overwrought and it's like almost darkly hilarious. Yes <laughs> it just flips on a dime. It is it is very weird. Um
1: my highlight for this episode, I, I like all of the stuff with like Juliet trying to figure out her like leadership role in the base. I thought that was like well done, where she's like doubtful, but she's trying to learn how to lead and she's like struggling to unite all these people. And I I like when they show off how like the diversity is an asset in, in fighting a fascist force. Like it's important to have kind of a wide array of people working with you. And that apply, I think that applies in general, it implies it applies in business too. It's like you want to have as many different points of view as possible. So I, I think I liked like the, the first like act and how they kind of showed Showed that sort of stuff
0: off and how everyone had a role to play. Yeah, I was gonna say my highlight is the scene with Julie firing at Diana's shuttlecraft, but I'll, I'll change it because you just talked about Juliet. My, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but this the scene of the cop letting yes. uh, Sancho That's go through a, the checkpoint. That seems really good. That might be my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just a minor scene, but I think it was the same cop. There's a scene where it's like Abraham's elderly woman friend who's part of the resistance she like sets off a molotov cocktail (laughs) in like a shuttle yeah yeah and she like the cop notices and he just like chuckles to himself (laughs) yeah uh that was a it was a little minor moment of comedy yeah it's a shame about uh abraham's character though he's sort of the 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 spirit of uh resistance on this whole thing and like uh it's kind of sweet that is He was the one that created the V thing that like pops up now as an Easter egg everywhere and lives on at the end. Yeah, next next time we will be doing the final battle part one, which is the I know you're the newcomer to this, but the final battle part one is the last episode I've currently seen at this moment. From what I remember, I'll just say that I don't think we were were too down on part two, but it definitely felt like it lost something from part one. In terms of just being like a big action movie. Part two, I mean, the final battle part one, from what I remember of watching it, I feel like it definitely settles into like the reality of like, because the the advantage of part one is that it's sort of our world where this happens. And then part two, it's sort of like we're dropped into like, we're firmly in like the Twilight Zone where aliens have invaded. I feel like the final battle part one definitely takes that status quo and runs with it in a much more confident and it's definitely a much better I think it's a much better part overall from what I recall so okay. Uh, if you were feeling too down on V part two I think the final battle will definitely keep the streak going I'm excited I'm excited to watch it as well so um, as always we will be here recapping V giving our thoughts about it we are always in the mood to hear comments from you the listeners at home unless you're pro visitors <laughs> we don't want to <laughs> Lars, would you care to tell anyone how they could get in touch with us?
1: Yeah, that's right, Louis. Anyone who wants to, uh, you know, let us know how we did or let us know if you have thoughts or, you know, curse us out, you can reach out to us on thepostwriter.com. We've got a nice contact us form there. And, of course, you can find us on social media. I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on
0: Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. And uh, I'm at the Lewis Ryan on Twitter, at the Lewis Ryan on Instagram. I think if you just type in Lewis Ryan on Letterboxd, I'll be there. And I wrote, write some articles occasionally on The Post Writer, so check those out, please. <laughs> this is yes. my main source of
1: income. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can keep up with us on thepostwriter.com, and this podcast is a postwriter podcast. Productions podcast.
0: Alright, Lori. So I guess we should give sort of final rankings on via the Miniseries if you want to, sort of out of ten. How would you rank it? Overall, I'm gonna go with a strong eight. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna go with a strong eight as well. I was really I was on like a high after part one because I was like, wow, yeah, me this, too this is amazing. And then I looked at my letterbox review and I was like, oh, I only gave it four out of five, but part two. Uh, I and mean, it's good for what it is, but it, it kind of lost a little bit of the, the luster. Yes, I, I agree. Part two definitely brings it down. That's fair to say. But you would definitely still recommend it and watch it. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, if that is all, then we shall sign off until we get into V, the final battle, part one, and everything that goes along with that. So see you next time. Thanks for listening.